Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It seems appropriate in this uh, three-week season as we're encouraging people to pray. And I'm not going into the, if you like, the mechanics of praying this morning. Prayer is talking to God and allowing God to talk to us. Don't pray as you can't, pray as you can. Don't say, well, I I can't pray like so-and-so. We don't want you to pray like so-and-so. We want you to be you. Um, Do I have to pray in the morning or do I have to pray at night? We don't want to be overly prescriptive. It's good to commit the day to God, obviously. And, and some of you find your best times early on. But for other people, wired differently, circumstantially different, it may be another time of the day. So it's a relationship. It's not a, a prescriptive formula. But the encouragement is that we'd all increasingly lean into praying. And our title, and by the way, there's some slides going up, which Chris is going to help me with. Our title over these next three weeks is Praying like Jesus and just to say I'm going to put a few outlines up just to lead us in and as Helen says what we want to do with the word of God is we want to give you something that will take you forward this week so if you want to take a screenshot on your phone on one of the outlines it's okay by me and I'm going to put me off it's an amen from me uh, some of you like to write notes which is still the way I do it I'm still down there if somebody else is preaching I'm still taking notes in my little jotter it's just the way I like to receive so whatever get what you can from it and then take it into the week but praying like Jesus not praying as Jesus but praying like Jesus and uh, we're going to draw on a few examples from the word of God and we're going to be using these next three weeks John chapter 17 and uh, I'm going to read the first five verses this morning again they're going to come on the screen it's from the New International Version And I'll read them to you. It says, after Jesus said this, and I'll come back to what this was in a moment, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the word that you gave me to do. Wow, what a testimony that is. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Some big statements there because Jesus was locked into his humanity. But how many of you know that Jesus didn't start in Bethlehem? He's the I am, he's always been and always will be. He's the Alpha and the Beaker, he's the beginning and the end because he's God. And it alludes to it there. So over these three weeks, there's going to be three major elements that we're going to try and look at. And we're not going to try and pick over every little word, but we're going to try and bring these three elements of prayer out. It's my privilege to start off this morning. And then we've got two other speakers ministering to the next two weeks that we'll pick up the baton um, from uh, from myself. So here's the three things. Number one this morning, Jesus prays for himself. I wonder if anybody have ever been on the end of, oh, you shouldn't pray for yourself. You just got to pray for everybody else. Well, we're going to start with praying for ourselves this morning and realize it's not selfish. So we pray for ourselves intentionally. And then 
Next week, Jesus prays for his friends, the disciples. He called them friends. And he does that relationally. You can't have a friendship without relationship. And then number three, he prays for all believers globally. It was a prayer that went beyond just the confines of where there were all believers and that global call to pray into the earth. And that's where we're going to go. So in a moment or two, I'm going to pick up on Jesus praying for himself. But just before we do that, I want just to remind you briefly that there was another occasion in the Bible, it's recorded in Matthew's book and Luke, where Jesus specifically taught on prayer. It's what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And Chris is just going to put the outline up for me. And there it is. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. <clears throat> now, I pray this prayer nearly every day. I don't pray parrot fashion. I don't pray it out of religion. I just love praying it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I, I could make some comments, but there's six elements of praying. Relating. Father, it's a relationship. It's, a rela it's not a tick box. It's a relationship. You can pray as you're driving into work with the, with the podcast on or with the Christian music. Some of you like walking in the open air and uh, you'll find yourself sometimes wanting to pray, wanting to reach out to God. You can pray for people uh, at times. How about this year believing when we're in the coffee shop with somebody and maybe they're not even a believer that sometimes we're bold enough to say, you know, just before we go, could we have a moment's prayer? And perhaps we'll be surprised by how many people say, yeah, that's okay. And listen, you don't need to close your eyes to pray. How about that? It can be so normal. But praying, uh, prioritizing your kingdom to come. I hear a lot of Christians telling me what ought to come first in their life. There's only one thing that comes first. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And it means the rule of Jesus requesting daily bread. Say, well, what, what a prayer this is as we enter 223. Because it may be that it's not your daily bread, but it's, it's the lucky bill, you know. And uh, you're getting a bit nervous because April's coming soon and that whatever they've given us is stopping and but praying that God will meet our daily needs I want to be real about this I'm not being blase believe it or not the pastors have to pay a gas and electric bill as well you know and so we bring all this to God God's interested in your daily needs he's interested in your kids your grandkids and uh, forgiving received and released overcoming deliver us from evil and acknowledging that his is the kingdom I've just got one more slide. This is uh, veteran communicator Rob Parsons' take on the Lord's Prayer. Giving reverence, hallowed. Giving allegiance, kingdom. Giving confidence, your will be done. And then asking for food, for forgiveness. And I've missed the word off, but for freedom. Or maybe it's going to come on another slide. No? Okay. So asking for food and for forgiveness and for freedom. Great prayer. And if sometimes you're saying, I'm not sure what to pray. I'm not sure where to start. How about just going to that prayer? Father, hallowed be your name. I'm glad you're my dad, Lord. I'm glad I'm set. Your kingdom come. Lord, will you give me the grace to put you first in everything? And so it begins to flow. God's given us material to help us to pray. 
Now, praying like Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 21 is, there it is. And in the context, the writer was writing to a church that had been scattered. It had been scattered not because it was doing things wrong, but because it was doing things right. It's what we call persecution. And the scattering was called the diaspora. And they were scattered across the known world of the time and they were feeling under the cosh because of their faith. And the Apostle Peter, as a father, writes to them. He encourages them. And sometimes you may think, oh, you know, that work environment I live in, I'm the only believer. That college that I go to, and people laugh at me because I'm a Christian and I'm part of church. And you know what? God gets it. He understands. And he is with you. And he says, I have lived that I would be your example. So people stood against Jesus as well. And uh, he lived as our example. Just keep loving them. Just keep being steadfast. Just keep being you. And God will honor your witness and testimony. Now, I want to use another word here. And those of you that like to engage with social media, uh, in whatever way you do it, will perhaps pick up on this. But I want you to think for a moment of Jesus being your influencer. And many of you will know, if you, particularly our younger generation in church, that there are a lot of people on social media that are described as influencers. My question is, what are they influencing? And you need to guard your heart. Let me give you a couple of examples. Some of you may have read this week in the news about Andrew Tate. Uh, he's now in a prison cell in Romania, but he's an American-English guy that's got 4 million followers on his social media outlets, and most of them are Isaac's age, uh, because they're guys. And this guy says that life's all about having about 28 cars, <laughs> treating women inappropriately, and that's being a macho man. He's got 4 million people thinking, oh, I wonder if he's, he's influencing And then let me use this one, sensitively. Caitlin Janet Jenner, formerly Bruce, has 10 million followers on Instagram. Recently did a docu-series that cost $5 million, just a few things to say. Influencing, influencing. Giving advice, telling people how to live. And the reality is that there's no rootedness in much of what they're saying. It's totally against what we would call kingdom life. It creates a false narrative where they call you to be like them. And ultimately, it proves utterly destructive. And so my question to us as we're just eight days into this new year is, who are you going to let influence your life this year? Now, ultimately, it's Jesus. But Jesus has also given us a church. You remember the Apostle Paul said those amazing words. He says, follow me. He wasn't saying it in an arrogant way, but as a father, he was saying, I'm giving an example. And I'm drawing people in to live after my example. Now, I'm going to be very careful here, but the reality is around this room, there are people steeped in the faith, mature in the faith, mothers and fathers in the faith that are, have the grace to 
influence. Influence. And I tell you, they will do you good. It will be constructive and not destructive. But ultimately, our eyes are on Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus. He's our example. He's our influencer. And so I'm going to bring you back as we come to the second part of the message to John 17. And you read there that it says, after Jesus said this. Well, what did he say? Well, in John 14, 15 and 16, we have what we call the John Hine doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And he'd been talking to his friends, the disciples, about the fact of, guys, I'm off. You're off. What do you mean you're off? No, so I'm going. Because my mission is shortly to come to an end. And honestly, they were freaked out. How are we going to live without Jesus? He says, don't worry, because when I've gone, I'm sending somebody. He's not a thing. He's not a force. He's a person. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And it's like when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it's like it's Jesus inside you. So don't worry, guys. Now, did they get it? Uh-uh. But he said it. He said it. And there were a few bumps in the road, but we get to Acts 2 eventually, and boy, did they get it. And they've changed the walls. Because here we are 2,000 years later, a multi-million strong church gathering across the globe today because these people were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, after he had said these things, he then moves into the encouragement to pray. He taught on the Holy Spirit. And now he says, the hour has come. I'll come to this in a moment. Very, very important time. And he was bring, and then he said, I brought glory to the earth. I finished my work. Wow. And now he says, God glorify me in your presence. In other words, friends, he was praying for himself. He was praying for himself. Briefly, I don't have time to camp here, but that prayer about God glorifying Jesus in his presence, because I'm, he basically said, I'm coming back to the Father's right hand in heaven where I've been for eternity. And I've done my mission on earth and I've finished the work. Now I'm coming back. Over the next few weeks that took place because we had crucifixion three days later we had resurrection 40 days after that we had ascension can you remember ascension day in germany bob all those years ago and uh, the the lorry broke down and it was a wednesday night and we said well we'll get it fixed no 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 pumper 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 and uh, and so he took us to a garage and he said, well, we'll be all right. We're on his way Thursday. But Thursday in Germany is a bank holiday for Ascension Day. So we had to kick our heels for 24 hours until Friday morning they fixed the wagon. So every time I go to Ascension, I just have, you know, being in that lay-by with Bob and our other friends. Crucifixion resurrection, ascension, and 10 days after that, glorification, because the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them uh, utterance, and they became witnesses for God. And in Acts 2.33, it says, exalted or glorified to the right hand of God, 
He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, which is now poured out and is what you see and hear. Every time there's an expression of the work of the Spirit in the earth today, it reminds us that Jesus is on the throne. He's at the right hand of the Father. And friends, he's not worried about this year. He's not nervous. He's in control. And we need just to lean into him as we've been encouraged in pre-prayer and join a great lead this morning in worship and in ministry to keep looking to God. He's with you always. Always. So the prayer was answered. Now, I want to let that shackle just drop off you today where somebody said to you, you didn't ought to be praying for yourself because it's selfish. That is not true. That is not true. Because here we have an example of Jesus praying for themselves. Now, I, so I want that just to drop off you. Of course, we need to pray for other people. But the reality is we can be so wrapped up at times in praying for everybody else, we forget about ourselves. And then we become frazzled and burnt out and worn out and depleted. And then we're no good for anybody else anyway. So learning to pray for ourselves and praying that God will help us. And if this is implemented appropriately and correctly, it will so bless your life. You see, prayer that doesn't see any change in the prayer is no prayer at all. And if you will learn, and I'm going to use the word, this discipline of taking time to pray for yourself, you will change. You will become more like the example, Jesus. And it will become evident to other people. So briefly, three things that Jesus did in these five verses in praying for himself. There you've got the first one. Thank you. Prayers of desire. Prayers of desire. And I've put a couple of verses from John's gospel there where it says, Jesus said, I seek not to please myself, but the one that sent me. And then he goes on to say, my food is to do the will of the one that sent me. And then John 17, 4, I have brought glory to you on the earth. Now, can I just qualify what I've said? Because if somebody said to you, don't pray for yourself, they may have been encouraging you not to do it selfishly. And in John, uh, sorry, James chapter 4, which is not on the screen, verse 3, it says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive. You see, not just the, uh, the, uh, the what of prayer, but the why of prayer. And the wrong motive was to spend it on your pleasures. Now, just before Christmas, we got a, 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 an email from one of our friends that uh, we reconnected with during uh, our tremendous summer week in the Atmei Missions Conference in Romania. And uh, this couple are a wonderful, wonderful couple. And they wrote and said, would you pray, not just us, but other people, because we need a new car. Our, new, our, our, car, our car has gone kaput. And uh, they were traveling to see uh, uh, Bianca's family that lived many, many hundreds of miles away. Pray, that's a legitimate prayer. Oh, but can you make it a Lamborghini, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wrong motive. Yeah. Wrong motive. 
And by the way, it may be that somebody turns up in a Lamborghini sometime. It's okay if it's, you know, if you're living with integrity, whatever. But you get the point. You get, it was the car that was the needs, not the greeds of the flashy thing. And so motive, prayers of desire. And when we pray like Jesus, it won't only be the what of prayer, but the why. And do you know what? I find the Holy Spirit digs over my motives a lot. I find the Holy Spirit saying, why are you praying that? You know, I find that sometimes he stretches me and tests me to make sure I'm praying prayers of desire with the right motive. And if you'll get your motive right, I'm telling you, God has no problem at all with you praying for yourself. You see, as I said earlier, the priority is seeking first the kingdom. John 6, but after it comes a promise and all these things will be added to you. And if you read Matthew 6, it's all those things that sometimes dog is. It's talking about bread and protection and cover. And those things that we've become very, very aware of as a nation, all of us, even in these recent times, particularly following the crisis in Ukraine nearly a year ago, the everyday things of life, if we'll put the priority into place, the kingdom, he'll bring the promise. And all these things will be added, prayers of desire. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It means to hunger as the starving man and to thirst as the one that is parched. God, I really want you. I really want you. And Jesus said that as I pray for myself, I have brought glory on the earth. Number two, prayers of submission. The hour has come. He wasn't speaking about a literal 60 minutes. He was speaking about the next significant season. He'd ministered on the Holy Spirit, but now it was a time of the cross, the garden, the betrayal, the denial, the cruel, uh, 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 barbaric, death of the crucifixion it lay before him and he submitted himself unto Jesus he says there in uh, Matthew 5 verses 7 to 10 that Jesus offered up prayers with fervent cries and tears this is Hebrews and he was heard because of his reverent submission in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39 he's in the garden says oh God's if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And most Bible commentators believe he was talking about the cup of suffering that was, oh God, if it be possible, let this cup, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will, submission. And too many of us have problems with prayer because often we're in a fight with God. Come on then, God, come on then. You know, and we try to take him on. And if we'll come, if we'll come, if we'll come. It's amazing the release that submission brings. I don't know whether you've noticed, but I got a new Bible for Christmas. My other one had literally fallen apart. I take great comfort from that because C.H. Spurgeon says, if your Bible's falling apart, it's probably a good sign that your life isn't. And so uh, it's gone in the bin. I mean, literally, we see, you know, I couldn't use it anymore. I'm not one of these that marks them, and, ooh, you know. So I, I don't, I don't, people do. I, I don't. 
Um, but anyway, I've got this new Bible which Sharon kindly bought me. We, we chased it down. And uh, it's, I think it's large print, you know, but it's not working. <laughs> and uh, it's heavy. But I like, I still like a Bible on the platform, you see. And um, anyway, in this, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's designed particularly for men. I am a man. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's got some great quotes in it. And uh, Chris is going to put up a quote for us. This is, John Wes this is John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, an apostolic leader. My, you read about the move of God, friends. You read about what God did during that Wesley time. He was absolutely phenomenal. And Wesley said, if I had 300 men, and ladies, please draw in on that. If I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and we're determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'd set the world on fire. I wonder if we can find people like that in this day, friends, because the world needs the fire of God. The world needs the good news of Jesus. It's making an absolute hash of neglecting God and turning from God and redefining all sorts of things in society. It's causing so many pains and hurts in people's lives. And we need a new generation. What's my passion? That we'd submit. That we'd submit. Now, I'm so old, I can remember four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Anybody know where I'm going? Anybody know about Kent Walton commentating on wrestling? Yeah, okay. And uh, he used to call it grappling. Can you remember? Yeah. I used to sit with my granddad. He loved it. It's all fake. It was all fake. You know, Mick McManus, Jackie Palo. Oh, my words. And they'd be throwing each other around. And all of a sudden, he got his arm up. And submit, 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 submit. And uh, the guy would say, today's bout is two falls, one submission or a KO, you know. <laughs> and so I always remember this submit business. Now, it... God's not, oh, so mixed. It's out of love. It's out of love that God comes to us, but that we'd submit to him. Don't have a battle with God for the next 12 months. Don't always be second-guessing what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Anybody submit this morning? I submit. Prayers of submission, because then we pray like Jesus. And finally, by the way, that wrestling thing's gone whoosh over anybody under 40, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting old. Some of you got it. Some of you got it. <laughs> prayers of dependence. I don't have time to read those prayers, but if you read the Gospels carefully, you will find that, that and it's for our example, our influence, that in the ministry of Jesus, there were specific times, and there's just three examples, where Jesus went aside, where he tried to, in some cases, get away from the crowd. He loved the crowds because he needed to pray. He needed to be on his own or with his close allies and friends to pray. And the end result, John 17, 4, I have finished the work that you have given me to do it reminds me of the words of uh, uh, over David in Acts 13 where it says that he served God's purpose in his generation the apostle Paul says I've finished the course I want to say there's no greater testimony in life than knowing that when you come to your end 
whatever you've been, how successful you've been, how professionally competent you've been, you can say, I finished what God gave me to do. I finished it. And we can't do it on our own. You can't keep this up on your own. But if you'll find time this year, whatever's appropriate to you, remember where we started, whatever's in your rhythms, whatever works out from your temperament to personality, to get aside for a few minutes and say, God, I am dependent upon you. God will use you amazingly. So praying for ourselves, because praying for ourselves is one aspect of praying like Jesus. Praying prayers of desire, prayers of submission, and prayers of dependence. I'll put one final comment up as we come to the close of the message. Praying like Jesus. He prayed over himself, and so should we. I hope you've got healed of any guilt this morning about praying over yourself. Remember what we said about motives and everything. But bring yourself to the Lord. Personalize the principles to your life. Personalize the principles to your life. Your journey's different to mine. Your temperament's different to mine. Your work schedule's different to mine. And I'm not trying to say, you must do it there, you must do it there, you must do it there. If you miss seven o'clock and you've gone out, the day's going to be terrible. It's not because he's always with you but don't leave it for three four five weeks you know keep that daily connection with God some of you like to pray late in the evening some of you are young families it's chaos in the morning getting the kids ready to school for school school time starts this week and um, and so finding those rhythms and you won't hear anybody in arena church you won't hear Christian you won't hear me you won't hear Julie or any of the pastors being prescriptive about that but personalize the principles. And the principle is that each of us are called to have a personal, ongoing relationship with Jesus and to learn from his influence how to pray like him. Bring your desires. Bring your submission. I, sub I submit. Bring your dependence. God, I can't do it without you. And let's see what the Lord will do in all of us over these next 12 months. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging and forgive me for just the interruption at the beginning. But uh, we're just trying to sense the heart of God. We're good for time and uh, after the service, after the worship team have led us in a conclusion along with Helen, uh, there'll be refreshments downstairs and there'll be another signpost that in a moment. But we're in a holy moment. And we love to pray at the end of each message in Arena Church. Some of you have been with us for years and you know that. Some of you are very new. And it may be that it's even your first time. You see, the greatest prayer that we can ever pray is, Lord, will you be merciful to me? I'm a sinner. And all across this room, we've had people come from all different backgrounds that have come to a place in their life that they've realized they're away from God. And it's not a popular word nowadays, but it simply means that we've missed the mark. We've fallen short of God's glory. And actually that simple prayer leads us into the beginning of a relationship with the Lord. 
And we also have people around this room today that have been believers for 40, 50, and 60 years. And if you went to speak to them, they would testify to the fact that they have proved that as they pray like Jesus, he's led them every step of the way. I'd love to include you in a prayer this morning. Say, Phil, that's me. You're going on about prayer. I've never really stepped into faith yet. I've got lots of issues. I've got questions. I've got things I'm trying to work through. Make the start today. God will help you. And if you'd like me to pray for you, I'm not going to ask you to shout your name out or come to the front. But in the quietness of the moment, as many people are praying, I wonder if you'd just slip up your hand and say, Phil, will you include me in the prayer before the preacher's finished? Thank you. Somebody else, thank you. Right at the back, thanks, I've got it. You can put your hand down again, thank you. Anybody else this morning saying, please include me in a prayer and I'll do it. And God will hear. God will hear. He's a loving God. And from this day, you can know Ellen's exhortation this morning that he's going to be with you always. So, Father, thank you for responses to my left and my right across the room this morning. And I pray that people will step into faith. If it's the first time they've ever called on you, Lord, I ask that right now they'll know a washing inside. They'll be born again of your spirit. And they'll begin this journey of following Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And I ask for every one of my dear friends in this wonderful group of people called Arena Church Ilkeston, that you'll help us this year to learn what it really means to pray for ourselves. And you will do something amazing in us and through us. Every one of us.